This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from the City University of New York. In today's episode, a discussion with Gabriel Rossman from UCLA, Clayton Childress from the University of Toronto, and Patrick Riley from the University of California, Irvine. Today, Making Money and Getting Follows. Our discussion was recorded on January 16th, 2020. Uh, so uh, a couple days ago at a unnamed university that I happened to work at, there was a adjunct instructor. At uh, finance. Of finance, who was maybe even acting a little unethically. So uh, there was a Reddit thread from students. And he is basically 10% of the course grade is for participation. So 1% of your final grade is awarded for buying a copy of his self-published book and uh, getting him to sign it so that you can't resell it and future students can't use it. Another 1% is for following him on Instagram. Uh, Another 1% is for following him on LinkedIn, different social media platforms. So essentially, by helping this man self-promote himself, you can take your grade from a B to an A minus. There's no shortage of other shady things that he's doing. Um, but, uh, we can start there. There, there. There's two issues here, right? There's the, and, and these are things that students complain about a lot. There's the force me to buy his book, yeah. right? Which is something that is an issue. And then there's the force me to follow the person. Well, wait, wait, on wait, 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 media. because force me to buy his book, that could be legitimate, right? If I have a very specialized course content, yeah. it may very well be that my book goes very well with the course content. There's no reason to say you only get credit if I autograph it. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that's like weird. No, I mean, he should do a thing where uh, he tells him not to get it autographed and then he gives credit to the one person that does get it autographed because they realize the importance of, uh, you know, collectibles and <laughs> important scarcity. That's what Bill Russell did, really. So, you know, I did the math on it. So the it's self-published. It's uh, 30 bucks. Uh, if you take out Amazon's cut, and you assume that 75% of the students are doing it. It's worth saying, too, that the only required reading in the entire semester is his 150-page self-published book. So uh, for obvious reasons, okay. students love this course. They brag about how little he cares about ideas. But uh, he is probably, you have to make assumptions, he's probably transferring about $4,000 a year out of his students' pockets into his pockets. Uh, just on this one. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, also, uh, I mean, the the have to follow the feed. Uh, the, the the feed is like very like uh, basic thirsty uh, wannabe Instagram influencer. It has yeah. like all the classic things where you know it's full of hashtags. There's like uh, you know just dumb little promotional stunts with like text overlaid over yeah. the photo. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the uh, inspirational quotes that are just yeah. like you know compassion is power. <laughs> Be more human than yeah. human. Like for each new follower, so. I'll give a free pair of bonobo socks to an endangered species. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that, we should not give any more examples because that that fake one sums it up more uh, more well than you know actually reading them all would. <laughs> yeah, and I just uh, the, one more point here, just. Uh, to really uh, get at the depths of this, uh, the promise of the course, you know, this is a unnamed university course where students are getting credit, is that if you work making $45,000 a year for 10 years, you can then retire at 35 and make $10,000 a month for the rest of your life. What rate of return is that? Did you calculate that? I, it's, 
insane. And the pitch here, and you know, this was in his video yesterday, is that an unnamed they don't want us to know this. Uh -huh. oh, um, <laughs> because they do not want us to be financially independent. Uh -huh. So this is like one of those classic rumors you've always heard of, like, you know, Detroit could make a car that gets 100 miles to the gallon, but, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the CIA is preventing them from doing it because they want to prop up the Saudis or some, you know, completely insane yeah. thing like that. Yeah. At least with that, it's the CIA. We know who the villain is. Yeah. This is just well, it's even yeah. more basic than that. That's like the trope of all the like 80s and 90s late night like infomercials, you know, whether it's Don LaPree or, or Tom Wu or any of those people where it's just like, I started out in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment in massive debt. And now I make, you know, thousands of millions of dollars a year placing tiny classified ads and they don't want you to know, you know, it's kind of the whole like Matthew Lesko thing where it's like, you know, the government doesn't want you to know that you can make, you know, thousands of dollars getting grants for random stuff. It's uh, yeah. it's yeah. like, a, it's a common trick or it's a common sort of framing. Yeah, sometimes it leads to, you know, some wealth, sometimes it leads to Scientology, but uh, it all kind of goes <laughs> Before we move on though, about the assigning your book. Now, if it's a $30 book, I can see that. Uh, I have, I mean, I teach low income students and I, I do yeah. have a, a qualm with that, uh, that type of behavior because the proofs are there and the kids are paying. Are you guys, what's your view on the ethics of first assigning your own book and then we'll talk about social media follows that we can start? Uh, I, I don't, I think it's a conflict of interest and you need to be extremely careful about it. I don't think it's entirely unjustifiable in principle. I think it's a good idea if the book is, is to donate whatever your royalties are, yeah. you know, just to demonstrate that it's not a conflict of interest. Yeah. So oh, I should... So I do assign my own book, um, but uh, I do, for people who can't see us, Pat is shaking his head. Into yeah. Um, and he's not wrong. Uh, and But I do so under very particular conditions. So uh, I assign my own book because it is freely, it's a free electronic resource from the library. Okay. And I stock, so nobody has to pay for anything. Um, and... You know, so I've been doing, I've assigned my book last year. I'm assigning this or I'm not going to assign it again. And that's just a personal preference of, it's just too uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but I, I really agree with Gabriel's point that you need to get the financial incentive out of there. Yeah. That gets kind of gross. Uh, my students, what they have told me, because I asked them about it, was that uh, they really get grossed out. And apparently some professors do this. Uh, they make their book or their textbook a required course book, but then it's not actually assigned to be read. Yeah, that's, wow. that's creepy. I, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I've assigned one or two of my journal articles uh, yeah. for some of my classes just because they're the best suited for the material. But, you know, there's no royalties on journal articles, at least not to the author. I've done that. I've done that before, and I still feel felt a bit weird about it. Yeah, I felt a little weird about it, especially, it, especially if it's like a seminar, and then it's like, uh, you know, are they really going to feel comfortable saying, I think the author's an idiot? Yeah. Although they never, they never really say that anyway, because they're so, uh, yeah. you know, like students never really say like the author's dumb or this is wrong or whatever. So. Yeah. That's for grad school. But uh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a good reason no. to find your article at a grad <laughs> seminar. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I always assigned, I always find a, I've had to assign my stuff in classes a couple of times and I felt weird because, you know, I, I kind of feel weird positioning myself in this role of like the important thing you need to learn is this thing that I'm set that I had published and kind of, it makes me feel a little bit insecure. And I think that might just be me. Uh, also the talking yeah. in third person thing is very strange. 
Um, but um, yeah, I mean, my approach, I mean, when it comes to teaching, I kind of feel weird about selling your selling your book or assigning your book for financial return. Uh, and I mean, just in principle, for me, I just make everything, all the stuff that the students have to buy for the class as little as possible, because yeah. that is a concern. I mean, there are students that, you know, work, there are students that uh, don't have the resources. Uh, there are students that, and the textbook racket is so insane. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, you know, as point of practice, I've put the pagination, if I have to do a textbook, I put the paginations for the previous editions that they can buy on Amazon. So they can get, if I have to assign a textbook, they can buy the $20 outdated version as opposed to buying the $170 new version. Yeah, I, I tried to get, uh, last time I taught grad stats, I tried to get them to stock the old edition, but the bookstore wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, and, and in that it's like, well, they change the homework and then you have to have two sets of homework and stuff like that. But for the supplemental reading, uh, which is not, you know, there's no homework from the supplemental reading. I would just say, okay, this is chapter one in the first edition, chapter two in the second edition. You know, that's similar to what Pat's saying. Um, and in my lecture classes currently, uh, I basically only sign journal articles. Um, and it, honestly, part of that is because I got sick of having to order books from the bookstore. It's like you get this email like, you know, 12 months in advance, Yeah. you know, saying, you know, you know, your, your, uh, your book orders for, uh, spring 2024 are due. And, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what I'm teaching then. And you're like, thank you for reminding me that I have to send mine in. Yeah. So, it's like, yeah. yeah it, and it's like, you know, journal articles are a good way to procrastinate because you could just put it on the syllabus the day before class starts, you know? I, I think it's fine to, yeah. uh, assign your books because then you can discuss it as your state of, as representing your state of mind at a time. And you can tell this, do you know where the flaws <laughs> because are? Because you're really your teaching a, uh, an intellectual history of yourself. In our overview of Cohen's, de the development of Cohen's thought, let's, you know, this, <laughs> well, this is, represents the early Cohen. Well, for, yeah, first of all, I put very little stock in theoretical explanations in general. I, I care about the empirics and I'm like, this is what a this is what people make. This is what and I published that because that's what I thought was important and interesting. And so I think it's just an efficient way to deliver what you feel are the most salient points of the topic that you teach. But I don't like the idea of making any money off of the kids. Uh, and it might be a product of where I teach. Uh, my preference is to give them give them the stuff. Yeah. So I very, when I made the misbegotten uh, decision to assign my book, that's very much the way I felt. Yeah. And and then I think it's what Pat was saying, where now in the moment, I'm just like, oh, God, I hate this. No, but it's so awkward. Like, I wish I hadn't have done this. <laughs> uh, what about, what yeah. about social media follows? What's the, what's your view on that one? I hate it when students follow me. Like every once in a while students, <laughs> and, and, and you guys know that because you all follow you me. Mean? Like. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it's like, oh, that's a liability waiting to happen. Well, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> like hey, every once in a while, a student will say, like, oh, I saw what you said on Twitter, and I always have this, like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, like, I really <laughs> wish you had said that. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, uh, I forget who it was, but they said, like, the most terrifying two word, uh, subject line to an email is your tweets, you know, <laughs> so it's like, and that coming from a student is like far worse, you know. So, uh, when Clay, uh, posted this, uh, you know, U of T thirsty Instagram, uh, you know, influencer guy. Uh, I, I basically, you know, stole the link and said, like, you know, I'm now considering giving extra credit for students who block me. <laughs> I had a uh, student a couple months ago who told me that uh, he listened to a Socianic uh -huh. segment 
that I had done, and I just curled up. Yeah, and yeah. Felt very... <laughs> so you you also feel like what's your view on soliciting social media follows? I do think people are increasingly using social media and podcasting and blogs as part of their pedagogical practice. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I'm. I think that's awesome and I think that's great. I think uh, a lot of my feelings on it come from the way I use social media, which is uh, very divorced from my day job. Yeah, they, me too. Right. Like my, I, I deliberately do not put the phrase sociology, sociologist or UCLA in my yeah. uh, Twitter profile and not because I, you know, I feel like, oh, it somehow make UCLA liable or something like that. It's just like, I don't want people looking for me at work to, you know, to find me on Twitter because it's not a sociology feed. It's like, you know, making, uh, <laughs> you know, dick jokes about ancient Athens feed. You know, <laughs> you know I, I don't think that it's, I, I do, I prefer the students that follow me on Twitter. Uh, yeah. be, not for the sake of like them finding out anything. It's like they'd have nothing to gain from it as, as Clayton says. I mean, unless they want to hear tweets, like retweets about me, like losing my keys or my predictions about the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's like, you know, they don't get anything, you know, it's like, yeah, I might have some, I might have some crazy observations about crossword puzzles, but like, you know, that's right. um, if they follow me on Instagram, it's just gonna be, oh, you can make rib sous vide. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have Instagram, but um, yeah. no, but I mean, it's, it's a thing where, as Clayton said, there are people that, um, you know, professors that worked that in their pedagogy and they do it quite well. You know, I know, you know, when I was teaching at UCLA, uh, Marcus Hunter does that quite a bit with some of his classes and the students really vibe with it. Um, but I think that um, one thing is, is that a lot of people that teach feel like they have to do that because that is the thing to do or it's in vogue. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that unless you like have a system for it, or have it worked into the class very well? I mean, you, you're not obligated to do it. Um, I, I feel like that comes across as a "how do you do, fellow kids" kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, the thing with you know the other stuff like LinkedIn, and I mean, there is a practicality to that sort of thing. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. I'm the only one here that teaches at a business school, um, and there is a certain approach that you know, the, some business schools encourage that sort of thing, you know, getting on LinkedIn and get your students to connect in order to, you know, introduce that practice and kind of create their networks and things like that. Uh, they don't do that with Instagram or anything like that, but there is that sort of thing within, uh, you know, some segments of management education where it's like the guru track, like there's this thing where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, instead of us, like, you know, there are, we aspire to publish in articles and things like that. Uh, you know, there's some people that teach that aspire to like have a book in Hudson News in the airport. And that's, you know, that's the way it goes. And um, I think that this, this uh, uh, Mitchell Quinn, um, he's, he's doing something that is in, to some degree in practice in management schools, but it's, it's, um, you know, this is like the, the, the crazy hyper version of it. It's like kind of the, the spinal tap version of it. In well, a way. I think this is, I, first of all, I do want to agree with you, Pat. LinkedIn is the one social medium that I encourage all of our graduate students to enlist on because it, it. I think I see that as part of their professional formula. Yeah, I'm not on LinkedIn and, uh, because yeah. you know I'm too I'm too extreme for LinkedIn. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, 
I do it because it helps them connect to alumni. Yeah. It's a way to search jobs, and we see it as integral. So LinkedIn is a totally different thing. Yeah. Now, are your uh, your grad students going for industry? Yeah, they're going for and they're data analysts. They're data analysts yeah. and data scientists. See, see, that makes sense to me because the the weird thing about LinkedIn is that everyone but every. Uh, professional occupation, but academics uses it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if you're uh, preparing students for industry, then it makes a lot of sense to encourage that. I guess mobility is so low in our in our, our industry. Yeah. Well. well, also, I think we're, we're very easily searchable, right? If you search yeah. uh, any one of us, we'll be either the top Google hit or the top five Google hits. And if you add the name of our university, we'll be the top hit. Just so, so I, I agree with Joe in the, uh, the, the operative word I think that you used for me at least was encourage. Um, to generally hot take, I am opposed to anything on a syllabus that's worth one percent. <laughs> like, yeah, I like I just think that's scammy. I think it preys on student grade anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and if something matters for a course, it matters more than one percent, or it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, like just generally. You know, so it's like it's saying like, hey, you know, we're in a business program. You should really be on LinkedIn. It's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. But, you know, one quarter of one percent of your final grade is and I don't care if it's like going to some extra credit, extracurricular activity or like buying a scammy self-published yeah. book. I just think over time in my teaching, I've just like gotten increasingly uncomfortable with that type of like uh style of behavior modification yeah. of like yeah. praying I, I really don't like the uh I, I i like that you pointed out the you know show up to something where uh, i feel like there's a lot of people there's you know as a professor you're barraged by emails basically saying can yeah. you mobilize students for my cause right can you yeah. can you encourage students to get paid minimum wage to knock on doors and collect signatures all summer can you yeah. uh you know, tell your students they'll get extra credit if they drive to the other side of town to see a documentary that's going to be on, you know, Amazon Prime in two months, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm always thinking like, you know, first of all, this has nothing to do with my class. And second of all, I wouldn't tell them to do this if it occurred at the same time of class across the street, let alone, yeah. you know, on a Saturday night on the other side of town, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, and a lot of this stuff, like att attending the documentary, like if, you know, leaving your house and attending uh, time's worth an extra class meeting of time yeah. and writing an extra assignment is relevant to the class. It's worth more than 1% yeah. of the final grade. Yeah. And it, it can't be both at the same time. I, I agree with you in principle, uh, Clayton, 99%. Um, yeah. uh, but the 1% yeah. is, is that um, in my, and I've pulled this trick before, uh, when you've, it's the only way that I find when the school pressures that you have to meet some quota of student evals. Um, that's, oh. you know, that's the only trick in the arsenal to get that done. Uh, you know, my school, you know, where I'm teaching right now requires that pressure that, on you. You're the one who has to ensure that they do. The yeah. Thing. Yeah. And I mean, I just tell oh. them, you know, it's like, you know, do this thing. It's helpful for me. If you just want to put the clown emoji for every response, go for it. That's fine. You know, uh, yeah. you know, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only time in which that works, but yeah, I, I mean, it is kind of a thing where, especially when, yeah, it plays, it plays on their anxieties. And I think the students generally are already way too anxious about their grades and yeah, it is kind of a psychological sort of thing. Anything like extra credit, anything like that, you know, but. Yeah. it ends up being like weird grading nickel and diming that 
Um, I, oh, I remembered uh, one more thing about Money Mitch yeah. uh, that we should acknowledge. And I think the thing that, uh, well, I, I think the negative publicity uh, will likely mean that he will not be coming back as a sessional instructor. But uh, the other thing that he's doing is, uh, if you're not enrolled at U of T, you can personally pay him $300 to also take his yeah. course. So this was interesting because uh, his position at U of T seemed to be in support of uh, another enterprise that he's yeah. running. Like, uh, do you want to just give us some back, give the listeners some background on what he's selling and his website and that, or would you like me to do it? Or, yeah, he, it's you know I, he has his uh, uh, might we call them grubby fingers in a lot of different pots. <laughs> um, so why don't uh, yeah go for it? So he has okay. So basically, it seems like this guy is an MBA who's running some type of content creation or enterprise where he's selling in personal uh, finance instructional materials through the web. And what's interesting is that he uses his position as an instructor in many ways to sell his secondary product, such that like many adjuncts that uh, hire, not a lot, but it's not uncommon, adjuncts use their position at your school to leverage or, or as a means of furthering some outside endeavors. So, for example, this guy has a website, and I'm not going to read the website because I, I, I don't want to promote him. But basically, he has on this site that he sells the personal finance stuff, he has student testimonials, which I am sure are from the U of T class, not from the paying customers. He self-presents yeah. as a professor of U of T yeah. of personal so, finance. First thing right up front on the cover of the self-published book is University of Toronto. Yeah. Professor, finance professor. Yeah. But that happens a lot. Like, isn't that how we get adjunct? Uh, yeah, yeah that's implicitly money? part of the compensation. Yeah. Right? I mean, this yeah. is how you get professors of practice where you get, uh, you know, mm -hmm. relatively skilled professionals and you're paying them $2,000 to what you're really paying them was you can put this line on your business card. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and you know, the, the person who's hiring them doesn't know if they're, you know, a tenured professor who's hired for their research and actually is an expert versus they're just basically a warm body who's only very uh, loosely vetted, you know, uh, to teach the class. Also, a very loose use of the word professor. And I see this a lot. I actually came into contact with this when I was building our site. And we had adjuncts who thought they were filling out a web form that would go up and they were just listing themselves as professor like uh -huh. capital P yeah. as a title, which I think some would infer to be a full professor, like a full tenured research professor. I feel very... And I do think, I, to me, it gets even uh, trickier. Just categorically, I think somebody with a PhD, right, who's like on the adjunct hustle trying to find a full-time gig, I'm much more comfortable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with oh, yeah. using the title professor versus somebody who's uh, moonlighting and, you know, trying to sell crystals. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great that you bring up crystals because you can check out my Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash oblique mystique. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But just to say that there is, you know, so it's like one of the, you know, in terms of like, what do you call us? What are our titles? Mm -hmm. You know, should we all go by doctor? You know, I, I, there's an important thing here where it's like, well, our graduate students, teach classes and they can't use the word doctor and they're probably not the people who we want to signal as less professional to undergrads because undergrads are going to be giving them crap because of their age anyway right so i do like i i do think we should uh 
be preserving and protecting, you know, like people with PhDs who are trying to jump into the tenure track, right? Graduate student instructors. Uh, and then there is this kind of other class of adjuncts where this is a side hustle and like a personal brand promotion thing. And I do think those are really different categories. Yeah. So what, what are your views? Uh, should we should 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 we be policing the use of the title professor? Is this something that if a, a lecturer or grad student wants to title themselves, is this something that we should be, you know, making a deal about or not? Like what's what's the proper titling to allow everybody to? You know, I've I've gone through this in my head so many times because I've technically been like on the adjunct postdoc track for the past like, you know, few years, and I I personally feel weird whenever the students call me professor because I understand that there is a certain, um, you know, uh, leveling to it. You know, that what the title in, entails. But then again, I can't like, you know, say, yeah, no, I'm Instructor Pat, you know, because that sounds weird. Um, well, it's a weird title. You can call yourself Dr. Pat or Dr. Riley. You know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I still feel weird about it. But um, Although I, Dr. I have... Pat is weird. You know, I, I know that's what, I know, I know Rivers called you Dr. Pat. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Dr. Pat seems like something you'd call like an overeducated daycare worker. It's like, <laughs> like, like he should be Dr. Riley, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I honestly, I just have the, the student. I, I tell them, you know go for the most like formal sort of address for everybody else and assume that you can call me whatever i really don't care um but i i mean i don't know because there is a real sort of sense that we have an understanding of what professor entails you know what the uh, institutional place of it is what the occupation is but for students i mean and for the people that are outside of of the field i mean Professor is anybody that teaches in a college class. I mean, it's yeah. like you know. Well, yeah. So I, I think kind of what it exactly. is like. I, I think we're we're conflating two issues. One is like kind of things that are highly salient to us, but nobody else appreciates. Yeah. You know the the fine uh, gradations of status within academia. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, I'm going to share uh, Megan McArdle's line, which is, um, uh, "Academics think they're very egalitarian." but uh, they're more attuned to status distinctions than courtiers in Versailles. And they can walk into any room and immediately tell you the relative hierarchy of people in the room. Like, you know, yeah. say you're an ASA yeah. or something. Anyway, um, but I, I think there's two issues. One is, you know, professor versus instructor. But I think the other is just using the university's name uh, because yeah. that effectively mm -hmm. is a way to kind of imply that you're speaking ex cathedra. Like you're, you know, you're speaking on behalf of the institution and it's mm -hmm. like, you know, people may think like, oh, you know, University of Toronto, this is a highly respected institution. It's one of the best uh, universities in the English speaking world. And so I'm going to take something that comes from it uh, very seriously. Um, but really, it's it's just like, here's somebody who was hired to teach a class, you know, probably the department chair spent under two hours thinking about whether to hire this person. There definitely wasn't a full faculty meeting or job talk, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, so they're not really in any meaningful way speaking. And so if they, you know, say like, you know, uh, you know, buy gold and put it in your, you know, your quinoa bag, you know, <laughs> it, it's not really speaking. From, and that would be true even if it was, you know, like as taught at the University of Toronto or something mm. like that, that would, you know, technically be accurate with, uh, you know what it says on their pay stub as taught at the yeah. university toronto is totally legit in my view uh i, I feel like that that's legit because it, it it has been taught and like if 
and if it's a terrible course, well, that might speak to the poor quality control going on. But the students the like it. That's the thing that's like, you know. What's that? It, it, the low, low contract? Uh, <laughs> is that the Chris yeah. Winship paper? Buy my book and follow me on Instagram and I'll give you a half alpha and you'll love me because you got a free half alpha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 Going back to the, the so not to brag or anything like that, but going back to the social media thing, I, I don't have students, uh, I don't have Instagram, so students can't follow me on Instagram. But when I was teaching sociology one, one time, I did have students devote a uh, Instagram to my fashion for what I wore in class. So um yeah yeah was it, was it a compliment or was it like you a, know it was it was very complimentary i mean you know they call me versace pad at fashion week for a reason yeah so well he, the, the listeners and maybe those of you who haven't seen pat uh his formal wear should know he he wears uh you know loud suits you know sometimes so yeah. i wouldn't say loud but i think loud yeah. i think that guy that appraises posters on the antiques road show is a loud yeah. suit guy yeah but, uh, you know Quirky? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Versace Pat. Is that maybe yeah. like Costco Joe? <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Annex, a sociology podcast. Special thank you to Gabriel Rossman of UCLA, Clayton Childress from the University of Toronto, and Patrick Riley from the University of California, Riverside. We're on the web, sociocast.org slash annex on Twitter, at Socianix, and on Facebook, the Annex Sociology Podcast. Music by Lena Orsa. On behalf of Gabriel Rossman, I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.